0: to The Drill Down. We've got business stories behind Stocks on the Move. I'm Corey Johnson. Today, August 25 means it is episode number 82. Well, just ahead as COVID cripples Vietnam, one U.S. retailer trying to find other ways to get stuff to sell. And boy, Dick's Sporting Goods is crushing it. We'll talk about the permanent changes in the behavior of some of their customers as the company reports another fantastic quarter. And building first of their kind advanced lithium-ion batteries. Questions are the customers gonna show up. Our guests, we've got two guests for the first time. Inovic's CEO Harold Russ and Silicon Valley Legend, chairman of the company, TJ Rogers. But first, let's hear from our sponsors. The drill down is brought to you by ERA. With ERA, give
1: yourself an informative advantage. Connect directly to earnings calls and other investor events with live transcription and event intelligence. That's ERA AIERA. Com.
0: And we hope you listen to the Drill Down Podcast every single day. That's made much easier by clicking the subscribe button and following us. That way you won't miss a single show.
1: And let us know what companies you think we should be drilling down on. Talk to us on Twitter and Instagram by following at drilldown pod and connect with us directly at our website, bizpod.net.
0: Alright, I'm Corey Johnson. Welcome to the drill down. We've got the business stories behind stocks in the move, and we've got the news, the three most important developments in the world of business today, according to Executive producer, Isaac Webster. Isaac.
1: Hey, Corey, you know, I don't don't make the news. I just report it, right? And let's start with Delta. Delta Airlines will impose a $200 monthly charge on unvaccinated employees and add testing requirements. CEO Ed Bastian said the additional charge will help to cover hospital stays that are more likely for unvaccinated people infected with COVID-19, something that he says can cost the company as much as $50,000 a person.
0: Yeah, not going as far as companies like United Airlines or Hawaiian, which are just re- flat out requiring vaccinations for their staff.
1: Well, I don't know about you, but uh, if I'm flying any airline, I'd prefer to have every employee vaccinated. Now let's move on to Western Digital. Western Digital is in advanced talks to merge with Japan's Kyosha and a $20 billion plus deal. This merger would reorder the global chip industry any transaction would, of course, require the blessing of the Japanese government, but a deal could fit with a push by the U.S. that we talked about yesterday to boost its chip making capabilities and increase competitiveness with China. The stock deal could be finalized as early as the middle of September, according to people familiar with the matter who are speaking to the Wall Street Journal, who has the story. And finally, we're going to talk about OnlyFans The social media platform is doing an about face. It's suspending its plan to prohibit content featuring sexually explicit conduct. OnlyFans, of course, built its popularity on subscriptions to pornographic photos and videos. And now it says it had, and it said that it had to secure assurances necessary to support our diverse creative community. Just last week, the platform said it would need to ban porno pornographic content, excuse me, to comply with these requests of its
0: banking partners and payment providers. But now it no longer does. So this is a COVID story, really. Because in 2019, I wrote a terrific story in The Verge about uh, OnlyFans. 2019, they only had about 120,000 creators on the site, right? And it was was a three-year-old business. But by 2020, they had a million creators and 90 million users but uh, it's interesting that you, what you really, the, the pressure here is really coming not from the banks so much as the credit card companies that, that PayPal, um, Chase and MasterCard um, have put some pretty strict requirements on the banks that they do transactions with and that the customers, that, that the content providers have to prove the age of the people in the content. That wasn't the case with uh, some of the porn sites and this wasn't the case with OnlyFans. OnlyFans are gonna try to get around this uh, somehow. But yeah, we might expect that that platform's going to be very different.
1: Well, there is a lot of debate around there. You know, when this all happened, you know, I have read reports that MasterCard was pushing back on the fact that they were, their name was thrown around, that they were partly responsible for this OnlyFans move. So uh, time will tell maybe about how this all went down, but I don't know about you in San Francisco, but in LA, there are many OnlyFans creators that live in LA. You can't throw a stone without finding one. Really? Oh
0: yeah, it's, I, it's, I, I I don't know if I'd know that if I lived in LA, and I don't know I couldn't say one way or the other but here in San Francisco. I think I you would know if you
1: lived in LA. You would.
0: It's very obvious. <laughs> um, well, I will say that uh, I did actually talk with a friend about this just moment, and not knowing she'd written a white paper about these sort of credit card transactions in the unbanked, and draws a very direct line between OnlyFans, Pornhub, and the cannabis industry, where you've got mm. so many of these businesses. Uh, unable to do the banking that other businesses uh, take for granted. Corey, what stocks are you drilling down on today? Let's look at Urban Outfitters. Interesting. In fact, wait. Let's look at three different retailers. Okay. Because we got some really interesting stuff about what's going on with the world of retail, with in regards to inventory, shipping, uh, COVID, and just one company that's just kind of screwing up with all everything in the. The wind should be at their backs, but they're managing to disappoint. But let's start with Urban Outfitters.
1: Urban Outfitters, Urban Trades under URBN. Shares fell 9% today, but they've risen 77% a year. So tell us the Urban Outfitters story.
0: Yeah, 9% decline today on uh, the second quarter earnings. Pretty good quarter, but the news wasn't great from the company. So net sales of record $1.2 billion, up 20% compared to last last year. That's 2019. So that's a substantial difference in their business, right? 20% bigger than they were in 2019 in the same quarter. There, there are three big brands, Free People, Urban Outfitters, and Anthropologie. Free People at 53%, Urban Outfitters at 20%, Anthropologie at 14%. Gonna, they also announced they're going to launch an online store selling thrift goods called Newly Thrift. It's a hot area with companies like Poshmark and Thred up in that area. But the CEO talked about um, just how different, uh, how difficult it is to get stuff to sell right now, and how they're really worried. Uh, Richard Haynes, uh, Haynes is the both a f- uh, co-founder and CEO, and he said it's not just about you know getting inventory that the, the pre-COVID world is just gone, and inventory problems um, are really worrisome for Urban Outfitters.
2: There's no question that the way we did it uh, pre-COVID has changed pretty radically uh, currently. If we are trying to bring inventory in earlier. And I would say earlier is anywhere between a few weeks to up to six weeks. And we have to do that because there's so much uncertainty out there.
0: That's a huge change, I right? would
2: say our biggest concern right now is actually getting the inventory, not when it's going to come in or how much it's going to cost. Uh, we're, we have a situation in Vietnam. I'm sure other people have the exact same situation where the country is completely closed. Uh, we have a lot of product there, and we're trying to get it in. Uh, so we are just doing whatever we can to get it in whenever we can. So on the apparel side of things, Kimberly, we uh, are bringing a lot of or most of our product in now by air to try to offset the uh, port congestions and the shipping charges on ocean and the lack of containers Um, so that's all going to impact margins but we believe that uh, bringing the, the inventory in as quickly as we can is the most prudent thing to do right now as far as chase uh, the chasing idea new customers. Of chase is pretty much out the window right now uh, for, for uh, holiday. Uh, we're hopeful that things will settle down somewhat, and we'll be able to get back to a more normal cadence uh, beginning next year. But uh, for holiday,, we're, as I said, we're just hopeful of getting all the product in and uh, not worried about chase.
0: That I mean, to me that's just amazing that they don't even know if they're going to have product to sell so they're having to fly stuff from Asia which is not the ideal way to run um an apparel company but that's where we're at right now whether it's because of shutdowns in in Vietnam or just the lack of shipping containers and so on.
1: You know, I'm going to play armchair what 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 do you call that in football when you're an armchair coach or an armchair armchair expert. There you go. What I'm going to say is, you know, I have a lot of friends that work in retail um, at different levels and different buying capacities. You know, they are are talking about these supply chains every day, nonstop, years out. Everything is planned out ad nauseum. It is so meticulous. So the idea to me as an armchair expert, not, I should say armchair non-expert, is that they have, they weren't prepared for this and they didn't see this problem coming down the pipe from Vietnam, that's a big red flag
0: to me. Well, I, I mean, I, I'm going to give more of a break, and, you know, I'm not inclined to do that generally, but I think that, and as you'll hear from some of these other companies, that, that they are not alone in, in, in having this surprise hit them. And, you know, the container costs, how many, well, remember we talked to Hamid from uh, Starbuck Carriers who told us that the cost of a container has gone from under 1000 yeah. bucks to, mm-hmm. to 25000 bucks. I mean, just, you know, we're, we're in a very different world right now. That is true.
1: Corey, what is your next drill down? Go Dick's Sporting Goods. Dick's trades under DKS. Shares rose 13% today, and they've gained 177% in a year. So something
0: tells me Dick's is doing something a little different. So Dick's had revenues of $3.3 billion, up 21% from the previous year. Their e-commerce business slowed up uh, significantly, 28% less. Um, uh, than their pandemic comparable, but still up 111% from 2019. So this is one of those big questions in life, right? How is our world going to be different post-COVID, post-pandemic? Will we go back to the same things? What changes will be permanent? All A lot of those things are answered in the Dix Conference called the Dix Quarter, they reported. So again, their online sales up 111% from what they're doing in 2019. That is a very big change in the way people buy the stuff that Dix sells, And indeed, this stuff that they sell has changed a little bit. Um, I should also mention that their same-store sales, they're bringing, again, same-store sales usually increase in like the low single digits for a successful retailer. They're saying same-store sales are going to be up 19% for the year of 2021. So just fantastic same-store sales growth. Uh, They've also got school sports coming back, which has always been good for them. But there are permanent changes in the way people recreate the COVID categories, if you will, of, of outdoors stuff, camping, kayaking, stand up paddle boarding, of which you know I'm an aficionado. Those things have were strong in the pandemic and they're staying strong. People have discovered these activities and events and sports and they're sticking with those COVID categories, even as they return to the other more traditional sports uh, that they've played for a long time and that Dix has enjoyed selling them sneakers and other gear for. Uh, yes, we are looking at all
2: of what you would maybe call the COVID categories, the surging COVID categories,
0: and they have re baselined for all intents and purposes. They are significantly higher than 2019. And so while there's some ups and downs in, um, you know, looking versus some peaks and valleys last year, overall the consumer demand for those categories has stayed really, really strong. And then at the same time, team sports have come back in mass. And back to school has started off strong, as Lee mentioned. So it really is, um, it's just, we are at a different level than, than we were prior to the pandemic. So I think that, that was CEO, uh, the CEO of Dick's, uh, Lauren Hobart. Um, just a terrific quarter from this company. And again, really seeing that the world today is different than it was in 2019. And they expect that that will continue. Corey, what is your next drill down? Let's look at Nordstrom.
1: Nordstrom. Nordstrom trades under JWN. Shares fell 17% today, but they've gained 100% 100 over the past 12 months. So tell me what's happening in Nordstrom. Full disclosure, shopped at Nordstrom last weekend. Nordstrom or Nordstrom Rack? Nordstrom.
0: Okay.
1: If it was Nordstrom Rack, I would have just said Nordstrom Rack.
0: (laughs) Um, Well, it's it's interesting. uh, Very different stories. I don't know that I've ever really thought about it until today, but they really are very different businesses um, uh, dealing with different kinds of customers, different inventory issues. And they talked a lot about the, the difficulty of getting stuff, inventory, just like we heard from Urban Outfitters. The difficulty of getting inventory means that they might have less stuff for sale within the store. So maybe they might garner higher prices. Now, this company is in the midst of a turn, uh, turnaround, and they've done a couple of things, uh, not least of which changing the the timing of their big anniversary sale. But, Let's look at the quarter first. The second quarter results, $3.7 billion across all categories and geographies. They reported earnings of $80 million, um, and uh, their net sales were up 101% from the same period last year, but down from 2019, down 6%. Now, um, a big chunk of that was the timing shift of the anniversary sale, which used to fall. One week of it fell in the first quarter in 2021, and that had a negative impact on sales when compared to 2019. But nonetheless, Nordstrom, you know, down 6% over 2019. Why would they be down 6%? All these other retailers are reporting these fantastic quarters. Urban Outfitters, record quarter. Dick's Sporting Goods, record quarter. You've got um, customers, you know, people, rich people, people with a $100,000 annual income or more, having a fantastic return in the market and everything else. They've got um, the, you know, mid-teens personal savings rate. Debt service is at 40-year lows. People with credit cards are... Are, are are nowhere near maxed out anymore. Household wealth creation of twelve trillion dollars last year. So why isn't Nordstrom seeing stuff fly off their racks? Pardon the pun. Well, the problem they say is just getting inventory into the stores.
2: Uh, well, sales have are significantly improved over uh, previous trends. There, there's plenty of areas that are are not at, at peak efficiency. Uh, and in particular, we just talked about inventory flow, uh, that's, that's been a challenge to the business and it impacts both top line and, and bottom line. Uh, so th- that's a big area of focus for us.
0: So that's Eric Nordstrom, the CEO. I think wall street wasn't buying his excuses. Basically again, this, this, these should be the glory days for Nordstrom right now. And they're still in the midst of this turnaround, trying to catch up to where they were many years ago. All right, coming up next, we're gonna talk to the Inovix CEO, Harold Russ, and legendary Silicon Valley uh, um, executive, TJ Rogers, the guy that uh, has given us um, SunPower, the guy that gave us Cypress Semiconductor. Well, his new company, Inovix, is recently public and is trying to change the way lithium batteries are made. We'll have that interesting conversation next. All right, a big question for every kind of business is this. When you're hiring, how do you know who's really best for the job? We can save time and screen for quality candidates with the skills you need using Indeed Assessments. When hiring gets hard, you need Indeed, the job site that makes hiring simple. Just attract, interview, and hire. In fact, with Indeed, you can do all your hiring in one place, even interviewing. Don't just hope for the perfect candidate and that that candidate will find you. Indeed's hiring tools help you find them, cutting through the noise to hire faster and smarter. In fact, Indeed Instant Match provides a list of quality candidates whose resumes are on Indeed the moment you post a sponsored job. And with Indeed Assessments, you can choose from 135 skill sets to try to uh, skill tests, I should say, to make sure you're finding people with the skills you need. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all the other job sites combined. So join the three million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Get started right now. Drill Down listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash drill down. That's right. A $75 credit at indeed.com slash drill down. It's indeed.com slash drill down offer valid through September 30 terms and conditions apply. And Remember to join the drill down
1: on Twitter and Instagram by following at drill down pod and check out our website, Bizpod.net.
0: Let us know what stocks we should be drilling down on. All right. Welcome back to the drill down podcast. As promised, we've got the, uh, the big shots, Novix with Harold Russ, the CEO and TJ Rogers, founder, uh, TJ Rogers, uh, Silicon Valley legend behind a lot of big companies, not least of which Cypress semiconductor. And I thought what we do here is talk about both the technology and the business opportunity. Um, so first of all, both of you, thanks for joining the drill down podcast. TJ, talk to me about how you, this battery technology is so different than what's, uh, currently, um, uh, in the market.
3: Well, what I can, uh, what I can tell you is what I've learned, and I've, I've gone to grad school here for eight years, didn't know much about batteries before. I, uh, these guys came into my office and gave me a pitch when I was Cypress CEO, and I decided to fund them. Uh, so lithium ion battery, you got three parts. You've got cathode, separator, anode. The separator is a piece of plastic that keeps the other two parts from burning when they touch each other. Uh, the cathode uh, in the battery contains the lithium, And when you charge the battery, the lithium moves out of the cathode, through the separator, plastic, through holes into the anode. And that's charging. And that creates a voltage that will push the lithium back the other way when you you, uh, discharge the battery. Okay, so what do these guys do? They have changed the anode. The anode has always been the weak or the big part of the battery. Uh, Very bulky and cumbersome. Uh, Difficult to get to work.
0: Because it's that buffer
3: in the middle, and it sort of keeps the the things apart, right? No, the buffer in the middle is a very thin piece of plastic. The anode is the place where the lithium goes when you charge a battery the first time. Okay. And it's it's too big. By analogy, it's like having a hotel, and you put one person lithium ion in each room. So if you look at a hotel, there's not many people in it, and they're very far spread apart, and the hotel is huge. What you'd really like is to jam all the lithium into a smaller space so you can get more lithium in the battery because lithium is the active ingredient that allows you know allows the battery to have more energy in it uh, so it lasts longer. <clears throat> so they've changed from graphite, which is carbon, a form of carbon, into silicon. And it turns out silicon, just on a chemical basis, is about nine times more effective than graphite in packing uh, lithium into it and holding it. And that's the big deal. The, the eight years and the 100-plus uh, million bucks was because uh, it's hard to get silicon to work. There's reasons they didn't use it in the original battery in 1991. And it took uh, a lot of really high-tech work here to get uh, silicon to work. That, that's the, the big part of the story, why their batteries got more energy than anything else around.
0: And uh, in terms of the silicon, does it have to be so highly complex, um, in the same way that a semiconductor is made to be so complex?
3: No, the silicon problem in a battery is uh, low-tech. It swells up and explodes the battery, literally. I'm not exaggerating. And, and the deal is that you have to construct this more mechanical engineering than chemical engineering. Yeah. You have to construct a battery that will allow for the expansion and contraction of the silicon while maintaining a higher safety level uh, than the typical lithium-ion battery, and and those are the engineering, primarily mechanical engineering things I've been learning about here uh, for eight years.
0: Fascinating. So, so Harold, let me turn to you then. So, you, so we'll accept on face value that this technology works and is safe, and and can be used in some way. How do you start to figure out what markets to go after?
4: Yeah, so, you know, even in the early days when we started the company, we decided to target consumer electronics as a starting point. So that's everything from wearables, cell phones, laptops, you know, augmented reality. Um, That's been our target market from day one. Why? Um, uh, You know, the reason is that um, if you look at the history of battery innovation, um, it's really been all materials driven and the rate of improvement has been super anemic. It's been about a little over 4% a year. And we're offering um, roughly a five-year advantage. So if you kind of look at the industry, where it's gonna go, we're five years ahead. And if you look at those markets I mentioned, um, they're dying for energy density, right? I mean, these are the devices we use every day. And for 20 plus years, the people that make those devices have been throttled by a very slow growth in battery performance. Sure if you can deliver something significantly better, it's gonna enable the next set of devices, features, functionalities, products, that just quite honestly can't exist, right? So it really has a huge lever on what these devices will do for us going forward. Um, And there's a lot of value there, right? Uh, And and typically in these devices, the battery is a small fraction of the total device cost. And so you can actually make very good uh, profit, you know, in that space because the battery is pretty cheap to start. And if you make it much better, you can charge more
0: quite simply. Well, and you know, over the years we would take apart every time the new iPhone would come out, I'd, 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 get, I'd buy one and then rip it apart for a TV show I used to do in part because just the the gore of seeing this coveted device get destroyed in front of the viewer was fun for me to do. But also you saw things change inside the phone. And one of the things you saw was the battery got bigger and bigger and bigger just to take up so much space. So it could do so much more every time around. I would imagine that what this does would also free up some space if the performance is that much higher inside of a a Zoomotronics device. Yeah, so I think you'll see one of two things happen.
2: One
4: is you'll use the advantage to maybe make slimmer devices, right? Because the battery doesn't have to be as big, maybe. The second thing is you'll use it for a bunch of new features, which they just don't have the power budget for today, right? True 5G or, you know, uh, location GPS on all the time. They're unlikely to use it to give you more talk time on your phone because actually they don't really care about that. What they care about is giving you a new set of features that make you want to buy the device and have more services you're going to pay for right? That's really the leverage of a better battery.
0: Yeah. I don't believe my children even know that the phone can be used to talk. It's only used for TikTok and text messages and what are we having for dinner? Or streaming. Can you wire wire me some money? Yes. Yes. So, uh, so within the world of consumer electronics, Harold, and how do you uh, target what you're going to go after? So we're,
4: we're seeding companies in all those markets I mentioned, wearables, AR, uh, laptops, cell phones, uh, you know, hand mobile radios. So we've got tier one customers across all those spaces that are, we've been actively sampling for uh, more than a year. Uh, And out of that, we've got specific programs and designs for customers in those spaces, which will be, you know, lead customers out of our first factory we're bringing up right now.
3: So, TJ, tell me why this took eight years. Well, the uh, chemistry is complex. Uh, You can't use water with lithium. You know, so you think about a lithium ion, you think about like sodium ions or salt dissolved in water. Well, lithium ion uh, burns in water, so that, that doesn't work. Uh, therefore, the materials are corrosive. They don't, they uh, can't, they interact with air. And then you have this expansion problem I'm telling you about. So, uh, in effect, you have to build a mechanical structure that is very robust. In our case, that meant uh, stainless steel casing uh, uh, to, to hold the thing uh, perfectly in alignment and then to uh, make a much more precise uh, machined battery where if you go look at a cross section of a typical a battery, uh, in, even in a cell phone, you cut it in half, you'll see big, big holes, gaps where there's uh, nothing. And so, by packing things in micron tight, as opposed to twenty or thirty micron tight, uh, we get more stuff in a in a form factor, fill everything up, and and contain it in the geometry we've got to control. That's why I said this is more a lot of a, chem- a mechanical engineering feat. The chemistry. Known, uh, but making that chemistry work in a practical device is safe that you can drop off a second story and not worry about it. That was the hard part.
0: And, and in terms of, you know, obviously the, the big in the, in the future, the thing that everyone's talking about and looking towards is, is the use of lithium batteries in electric vehicles and, and how, how big and, and of a market that might ultimately be. Is that something you imagine when you look at what this could do? Yeah, I would say it's more than imagined.
4: I think that's that that's our plan, right? We consciously decided to start in the consumer electronics space because um, you know, it's a it's a market that will pay a premium for a product. It's a it's by 2025, we believe about a $13 billion market. So it's large. And, you know, quite honestly, we think starting with an EV battery is a really tough place to start, right? You need to have a gigafactory, you know, massive amount of money. It's a tough place to learn. And we we thought it would be better to become a great battery manufacturer in the consumer space, and then use that as a stepping stone of the EV space. And we've got a number of programs started in the EV space, and we're we're sampling to customers. Uh, and, and our plan is that by twenty twenty five, we'll we will be in that market as well.
0: Now, TJ, I want to ask you. You know, you've you've not just Cypress Semiconductor, which you've you know uh, obviously created out of out of uh, thin air, but uh, SunPower, uh, Enphase companies you were involved in very early in the solar world also, which, of course, is a direct connection to silicon still, um, I wonder when it comes to sort of company formation and the creation of this company, what have you done better that you wish you'd done the first time around or done differently that, that was possible here that
3: wasn't possible in the, in the, in the past? Uh, <laughs> I screw up less here than I did in the past. And see, <laughs> the benefit, what I bring to this company is is I, I'm a technologist and I I automatically blend technology and business in my head when I'm thinking, but after running Cypress, starting Cypress and running it for 34 years, you can only imagine uh, I've watched every mistake a high-tech company can make, fixed it, and kept on. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been there for 34 years. So what I bring to the party is uh, a mental Rolodex of all the things that, that you should avoid, a shorter path, a shorter, safer path through the financial minefields. For example, uh, I went and helped the company by raising a SPAC uh, yeah. to take them public. So we short-circuited. We short-circuited the, the IPO process, which would have added at least another year. Under there, getting money and the other benefit of SPACs. I'm, I, there are downsides to SPACs, but the other benefit is you can l- raise a lot of money. So they got three hundred eighty-five million bucks. So instead of getting ten, twenty, thirty million dollars at a time out of uh, venture, uh, which I did also before that, uh, we we gave them the money they need so they can go work on their on their batteries and not have to think about you know going out and raising more funding all the time. The the longer runway, obviously, a, a helpful thing with a startup. Yes, uh, and 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 now again, that doesn't. That doesn't let them off the hook on making milestones and turning into real company. It just gives them an extra eighteen months to two years where the uh, people that invested in them have have agreed to the fact that, that we want to invest earlier at a lower price so we can we can give them the money to do what we want them to do because we're behind this modern this uh, battery of evolution that's going on.
0: It does seem that from the company management side of things, the hard thing with doing a back would be to keep your public um, uh, expectations or your public predictions of what the company's going to do to hold them back a little bit and not get crazy with it. Because obviously you could raise more money if you promise you're going to do a lot of things that you may do and, and don't know for certain you're going to do. But the disappointment can really come to bite you
3: um, uh, on the back end. Okay. Well, you've, you've politely said... I think some companies that are spec public may overpromise and get in trouble. Well, we've seen so, them blow up already, <laughs>
0: including in the EV space, right? We've seen some guys, yeah, yeah. And some of them were just completely full of shit from the beginning.
3: Well, what, what I did more than trying to make the promises, they had to make their own promises. Uh, I, I, I read their promises literally a dozen times. I made them sign their promises and I signed them, but the promises they made are their own. What I did was I, I made sure uh, they didn't, didn't make the mistake of, and they're not inclined that way. They're practical engineers. They don't overpromise. They're, in, they're not doing science fiction. They're, they're doing engineering. But we made sure those promises were achievable uh, in our business plan, and, and we're on our plan. Oh, well, it's a fascinating company, one going to keep an eye on, because uh, obviously this
0: battery technology. You know, I'll tell you, uh, when I went into the hedge fund world, in particular was looking for companies that I thought were frauds or fakes or companies I was gonna short. I one day decided, you know, all these battery things are such nonsense that I went through to look for any other companies in the battery space. And I discovered that our firm was already short every single publicly traded battery company because so many of them were so full of promises and not production. But I think we've entered a new era in the battery business,
3: uh, not least of which because of all this movement towards electric cars. Well, I I come from the silicon industry and and cosmetically uh, and promise-wise, silicon, uh, because it's more mature, it's the opposite end of the world. Like uh, you in automotive silicon, for example, uh, you would get your rear thrown out of an automotive company for more than two defects per million in your product. So, so I am a zero defect guy for real. I practice it. I live it. Uh, I'd come in the boardroom, they'd sometimes come in a couple years back and show me their latest widget, and I start complaining because I saw a fingerprint where somebody touched it without a glove. And and so I, I do bring a zero-defect uh, quality mentality uh, from the Silicon world.
0: Well, um, interesting company. We'll keep an eye on Novix uh, and the, the batteries of the future from Novix, Harold Russ, the CEO, and TJ Rogers. Thank you very much, we do appreciate your time. All right, coming up next, the drill down bite that one number Tells us a whole lot. After this, the drill down is brought to you by Era, a one-stop equity platform where
1: you can seamlessly connect to any earnings call and surface actionable insights automatically. Era's AI-powered tools will allow you to work faster and smarter. That's Era A I E R A dot
0: com. And if you're enjoying the drill down, if you're listening at this point, you probably are. So go leave a review for us. Let the rest of the world know what you've found in the drill down and why it's a regular listen. On the comments section or the review section of whatever your favorite podcast platform is,
1: and let us know what companies you think we should be drilling down on. Talk to us on Twitter and Instagram by following at DrilldownPod, and connect with us directly at our website, BizPod.net. All
0: right, we've got the drill down bite. That one number that means a whole lot about Inovics, uh, Isaac. Their revenues are that number. The trailing revenues for this company, zero. That's right, zero. They've sold absolutely nothing ever. So it's important to know. Well, about what this do company. you know? Yeah, this is a developing technology right. uh, that they have high hopes for, and they've got some. Uh, uh, they're hinting at some deals that are on the way. They could talk about how this technology could be great someday. But at this point, it's one big fat zero for revenues. We wish them a lot of luck, but they got nothing yet. I love hope. Don't you love hope? No, No, do either. All right, I'm Corey Johnson. That cynic you hear is Corey Johnson. The other cynic is Isaac Webster, our executive yeah. producer. Luckily, yeah. Ben Wilson, our editor extraordinaire, is no cynic at all. No, not true at all. true believer <laughs> with a heart of gold. All right, the Drill the production of the Business Podcast Network.